The presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. Lately, teachers from all over have been working together to find new approaches to provide quality remote education. Participate's sister company, Participate Learning, presents United We Teach, a global gathering place for educators to share distance learning resources as we navigate these strange times. For these resources and more, visit participate.com slash oneducation. If, if I was an entertainer, I was like, hey, you get to perform at our concert. Sweet. Okay, you have to pay to get here. You're going to have to pay everything. All your expenses paid uh, come out of your pocket. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss whether remote learning was effective, how we can prevent the summer slide through games like Minecraft and esports. And our guest this week is Director of Technology, Adam File. So we have to wrap this up as quickly as possible because it's um, so we're recording on Thursday, which we don't normally do Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, the PlayStation 5 reveal show is literally happening right now. <laughs> and we're missing it. I'm missing it. You don't have a PlayStation, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Uh, and you're the an last, Xbox. You're an the Xbox. The last one guy. I had was the original. Actually, I owned a PlayStation 2. So I, I remember that. And, and I think I owned the original one too because it was the only system that had at that point Final Fantasy 7, yes. I want to say, was PlayStation yes. 2. Mm-hmm. And what an awesome game. My mm-hmm. God. That's that's one of the classic. That should be on top of the you know the top one hundred list that we were that we've talked about before. My God, that game! You know they remade it, right? Yeah, you told you, and it just came and, out like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you and I mean they remade it, remade it, or yeah, like, like it's a whole remastered version. It's hmm. even got different combat and everything. Oh, I'd like to. I'd like to play that. You need to what buy a PlayStation. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, see, uh, we've invested so much in the Microsoft Xbox game. I just, I hate that there's that that's you know two competing companies, and a lot of the time yeah. it's content that's specific to this to the one system. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they say, what they come out with, and. Um, Especially, you, you know what the most important thing is? Not even the graphic card and this and that. And it'll play mm-hmm. 56,000K, whatever it might be as far as the, the visibility. It's the content. So if they mm-hmm. say, you know, like if Xbox came out and they were like, we have the new Elder Scrolls. It's going to be part of the system. It's going to come out with the game. That would excite me. You know, same thing with PlayStation. If they say... Sure. The content that's coming out is this new game that we've all been waiting for. That's exciting. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> hey, so do you play? So you you play farming? So you bought Farming Simulator? <laughs> yes. And because uh, we're all addicted to farming games here yes. in this little community of ours, somehow we this is what we've decided to coalesce around. Yeah, we love is, the farming. Is, is farming games and you play it with your father-in-law and your kids do you play that on xbox i play it on xbox uh but i haven't i own it here for the computer so i will start investing some time into it here on the computer um but i play with my father-in-law it's hilarious and do you like it 
It's fantastic. It's a really? very, it's, it's very, um, detailed, let's call it. <laughs> it's okay. very super nerdy on the farming aspect. So it's not just like, uh, farm together where you're just kind of planning things, blah, 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 you know, and you, uh, the goal is to, you know, build up your farm, have different things. This is more uh -huh. like very nerdy, uh, intricate, um, how you, how you spend your money is super important. Um, what you do with your crops at the certain specific points uh, of their growth matters as far as their growth. Huh. Um, and so there's a lot you would, you, I think you would really, really like it because there's, I it, bought there's it. A, <laughs> yeah, there's a big nerd out factor to it. So okay. you can really, I mean, there's some huge communities that, <laughs> can you imagine this? We're talking about farming simulator. But anyway, there are some huge this communities is, of people that, that play this in various different ways. But but basically talk about, you know, uh, the min-max players, you know, that try to maximize the output of the crops. But yeah. there's people who try to uh, become experts at um, basically uh, planting and harvesting crops to be the fastest, you know, kind of those types of things. And so there's is there like a research tree and stuff like that? Oh, is yeah. There... Uh, oh, no. yeah. No, there's not a research tree. It's more, and it it's very, it's a game where it's super hands off, you know, and you have to go in there unless you want to go in and do some research, which I've done, uh, been doing some research. It's super hands off. You don't even know which equipment you should be doing, which equipment you should be using, how often you should be fertilizing, um, you know, when you should actually harvest your crops, what about the weeds, et cetera, and so forth. Um, and so it's very, very, very much hands off. And then you explore and it's super cool because it's multiplayer. So like my father-in-law and I, you know, he lives in North Dakota and I, I'm here in Minnesota and, and we'll be playing for hours on end. And my wife just makes fun of us. Cause she's like, my God, how can that be a game? <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm tempted. I, I bought it because okay. I knew you bought it. Yeah. Uh, and, um, we'll have to play it. Yeah. And we'll I've been, just start from scratch. It's pretty awesome. I I'm thinking about it. I might, I, I need, I need something tonight to, to relax with a little bit later. So maybe it's that's, totally, that's what I do. It is a relaxing game. Yes. Have you um one one other small piece of kind of um small talk here? Have you have you watched this show yet, Space Force? I have not. It's the number one show on Netflix, though, right? So it's it's The Office. Yeah, it, it's basically because it's Steve Carell. Like, Steve Carell. Yeah, and he acts. Is it funny? And he's very similar to Michael Scott. Mm. Um, kind of like barely competent. Uh, not as <laughs> not as like um. I think the the main character Steve Carell in Space Force is more competent than 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 Steve Carell in The Office, mm. um, but uh, you can see that you know. Uh, so basically, his character runs Space Force. The you know, and it's very <laughs> um, the the setting is very realistic too. Like um, they don't name it's not Trump. Like the president isn't President Trump. Okay, but you know, there's a funny reference to him tweeting uh, any minute now, and we don't know what he's gonna say. Uh, type okay, thing. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> but so it's, it's about it's, you, so get ready. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of thing, which is really, really funny. It's it's a nice little um, nod to that the president in Space Force is very similar to President Trump. Um, I'm gonna watch it. Yes, and so that makes that makes Steve Carell 
um, barely competent at is mm. just competent enough that it's plausible <laughs> that he gets the job, yeah. but obviously not the best person for the job. Okay. okay. <laughs> so that's that's what makes Space Force so so like it, it just hits home in so many ways. Uh, I'm not much of a TV watcher, and generally though we Cheryl and I watch this while while we're while we're eating or whatever. We let the kids take over the you know watching tv sometimes in the living room and we'll just sit on the kitchen island and watch tv together and and that's what we that's what we end up watching um (laughs) is space force um you know this other so originally in the outline this was glenn is about to learn how to code because we normally record on mondays and you were on uh unscripted Mm -hmm. with brad treffler which is on the uh participate twitch channel um so do you know everything about coding with google uh app scripts Scripts. now oh my goodness it is so crazy amazing yet super complex and intimidating (laughs) at the same time what you can actually do with with the google script and i and we only you know kind of just barely touched on a couple of things that uh, brad was attempting to go ahead and do and it was super intriguing but i was like my goodness you could take tons of courses i'm sure there are tons of courses on how do you go about doing this and then for what purposes? And, yeah. and then what's, you know, how do you, uh, what are the types of things that you can go ahead and do to be able to make your, you and your teacher's lives, let's say more efficient. You could tell that Brad, super expertise in it and passion in it. So it was interesting. And I, all I did is sit, it's interesting because his guest just kind of sits there and, <laughs> and goes, it just listens and goes, oh yeah, yeah. You know, kind of adds a little <laughs> bit here and there, you know? So it, it, it is cool. I like, I thought it was interesting. I had seen him and Jake Miller on a previous episode and I had just told Brad, I'm like, dude, that's a really interesting concept for a show. And he's like, you want to come on to it? I'm like, okay, but I'm worthless. And he's like, no, that's perfect. He's like, that's perfect. I, he's like, I want to make sure we're, we're trying to help out anyone that's just basically watching that wants to learn, you know, some of these yeah. concepts and whatever it might be. So very, very cool uh, idea for a show and, and and perfect host for it too with Brad. I uh, I I had it on and I had it idling kind of and I and I had the volume off because I was in the middle of um, uh, doing a couple things. Uh, but every time I looked over, yeah, I mean, I won't lie, you had kind of a deer in the headlights look on your in your on your face a well, couple yeah. times where it's like, I have oh no my idea. god, what did I get myself into? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, was the actual <laughs> what I was feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was I thought it was awesome that you were on it. I think that show um, is 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 gonna is gonna be really interesting. Um, maybe started with a little bit of a, a drier topic, but I, I can't wait to see. I know Brad and I have talked about it, obviously, because I'm in charge of that channel and what goes on it. Um, so, you know, Brad, Brad and I have talked a little bit about it, and I'm really excited to see him maybe delve into like some game design mm-hmm. and and using some of these other uh, game design engines to make uh, to make games and and do coding for games. And I think that that uh, would be really really cool um and you know speaking of of games um Mm -hmm. you know not that we haven't talked about games enough actually i think (laughs) we've talked about games this entire show so far that's Uh, good but you know 
Um, I think you're here for the games sometimes too. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the um, one of the really cool things that's coming out of um, the pandemic is the realization that games help mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, certainly, in you know, I I so um, I play Minecraft a lot. I think that goes without saying. And and one of the things that I, I do all the time now is I leave Minecraft on and I leave it kind of idling in the background. Mm-hmm. And every time I have kind of a spare, like five minutes between meetings or something like that, I just tab over to Minecraft and I play for a few minutes. And then I, you know, and then I tab back and go about my day. But I find that, that you know, that five minutes, you know, interlude. Mm-hmm. is a nice little break from my mental health and um and i kind of need that because my days are like i'm in the middle i'm not even close to done my day yet and it's five o'clock in the mm. afternoon i have a i have a webinar tonight at eight o'clock at night um you know oh. till till 10 o'clock um so you know i i think for me personally i need uh i need something uh you know to break up my day uh, and my meetings and stuff like that. Um, and, and so we know though that, you know, things like, um, Minecraft and, um, even, even like I, you know, my son is playing a lot of Fortnite and and we know that these are helping them with their kind of their mental health and their, um, you know, um, you know, connectedness with their friends. Um, but, uh, but obviously, um, you know, the camps are starting to roll out and virtual camps, I think are going to be definitely a thing this summer. And, um, you know, there are a number of companies and there's an article in the, uh, district administration, um, website, uh, by Chris Bird, who, who we, we know, um, he's, he's related to, um, uh, he does work with FETC, mm-hmm. um, and, and whatnot. We've met him at the Epic games party, uh, there at FETC this year. Um, but talking about, for example, the connected camps company and, and, um, creating some really cool opportunities for kids this summer um, that I thought was interesting. Yeah. And I mean, the biggest thing is you're right. That shift towards saying this is something that not only is for fun. Yes, it is. Not only is positive as far as could be for relationships and uh, social, emotional well-being and mental health. Yes. That checkbox is there too. But as we've talked about on the show many times, it's also a great learning tool uh, in a variety of different purpose for a variety of different purposes. Um, and it's, sometimes it's just for the sake of it being a creative outlet. And you've used it as far as Minecraft in that way, where it just becomes a way to express yourself, you know, instead of using a paintbrush or a, uh, a pencil or whatever it might be like an artist would you are using this three-dimensional environment to be able to use it as an outlet. And that's fantastic for our kids to have that opportunity to do that too, especially in a time when um, we're in a pandemic and we're not, we're, we can't always go to all of the different places that we maybe wanted to this summer. This is a way to be able to go ahead and do some of those things too. Um, and of course, you know, we love that it's, that this specific article is talking about Minecraft and and esports in general too to be able to form those relationships, um, get kids those opportunities that you talk about all the time, Mike, uh, that they may or may not 
have the athletic abilities, you know, to be able to participate on a team for, you know, a, a local school or whatever it might be. But in this case, they have the abilities to be able to do a lot of different types of, uh, let's call them jobs within yeah. an esports team, you know, whether it be a manager, a, a promotional person and so on and so forth. And I know yourself, Steve Isaacs and Dr. Haskell, I'll talk about like, it's this huge ecosystem that's really growing. And not only is it growing, but um, day by day, it becomes more legitimized. And I, and I that's why we love talking about it and, and making sure that it, we don't lose sight on that. Like we continue to grow that and, and continue to say, yeah, this is something that we should be um, attempting to add in all of our schools. So we're going to link an article in the show notes. Uh, and, and the title, frankly, of this article kind of pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Um, and I don't have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal. I don't plan on getting one. Yeah. So, um, so I, I guess you have to have one to read it, or I don't know if you yeah, have access it, to it. It's in one a different of those way. things. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal is interesting as far as the website. If you've clicked on it with a specific, um, you know, web Chrome web address, Mike. You know, like a yeah. thing. It reads how many times you've used it. So then, it, it, if you if it's like your third time trying to click on it, it it it'll have that barrier. Do you know what I mean? So if you if so if anybody out there ever wants to go ahead and do that, if you open up a uh, incognito window, usually it'll work. You know, oh. <laughs> it'll actually open up the article, uh, or just try it on your phone or for whatever it might be. If you ever you find that barrier, it's because you've already been there a few different times and then got access to those articles. It doesn't always work. But the, the name of the article is Results Are In for Remote Learning. It didn't work. And so, yes, that's that. What a it, stupid title. Yes. First mm -hmm. off, the results aren't in exactly. for remote learning. No. I mean, we're just getting started with all of this. And certainly to suggest, you know, uh, yes. What, no, what, where do I want to where do I want to start with this? Well, first of all, the way that they are judging the as far as the, where they're getting the results from are from a standardized test. Um, we call it the, the okay, NWEA well. uh, assessment. Um, it, sometimes it's for us, it was called the MAP test. It's all basically the same thing. Let's just call it. It's a standardized assessment that's given throughout the year. And I was trying to think through, Mike, how did they give this? assessment <laughs> first of all that kind of like just kind of with with all of the right. ap testing glitches and all the types of things going on um and then even if they gave it in a legitimate way which i seriously doubt how can we say that those results are you know show anything you know a, a students that are in the middle of a pandemic they're at home taking an assessment of some sort where it measures their reading and um and their math abilities I just hated that they put it that way because like we've always said most of these articles end up being great ways for people to legislators specifically or people with agendas to be able to point back at that yeah. and then say, hey, you public schools did this, this and this wrong and are doing this wrong. So we're going to pull funding or we're going to do this other thing or we're going to pass a law with et cetera, et cetera, to make sure that we hold you accountable, you know, those types of things. Yeah. See, and you don't need bull. technology in school. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. No, you're exactly right that this does, this type of learning can't work and blah, blah, blah. And, um, 
and and we know and we've talked about on the show before in the past that this is a an exception to any rule that we've ever seen as far as in our most recent times as far as public education is concerned yeah we can't compare this two months three months that it was to anything that's ever happened in education in general at all you can't compare right. it to anything so that's the first thing second thing is how did they actually measure it and that's unclear um, I think they showed some test results in the thing which I think that's completely invalid you can't we we most of the states canceled their state uh, white test even the the president got on to national you know a uh, a conference and said uh, a press conference and said we should cancel all of the standardized testing for the year because everybody knew it was going to be invalid um and so all of those factors and then yeah. saying yes we're now going to say hey it didn't work it's like no and and uh you know our friend philip pulley um, has said this what this isn't remote learning it's not right. distance learning. And so when people classify it in that way, it's just wrong. And it, this was a unprecedented time. Call it emergency learning. Uh, call it something that more appropriately fits the time. Um, and understand that it's it was very unique in, its, in what happened and what's still happening right now. So, yeah, it sucks. I hate stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, terrible... No, I, I don't think anyone would argue that what has happened the last few months, it, it's not perfect. No. Um, but the environment is certainly not perfect and certainly not ideal. And you had a lot of teachers that needed to, um, you know, upgrade their skills almost instantly under yes. emergency conditions while also, you know, managing their own families own through mm -hmm. a global health crisis. Come yes. on, people, you know, and imagine like and that's just that's just like the things that everyone faced. Like, yes, every single family that had kids faced those things in imperfect situation under the threat of a global health crisis. That sounds pretty bad. <laughs> yes, And that's like our baseline, folks. Uh... And then there was like. What if you're a nurse? What mm -hmm. if you're one of your spouses is a nurse? What if you what you know all of the other th things? Yes. So many that, factors that that aren't part of this baseline that changes everything about this equation. Mm -hmm. There are X factors everywhere. So to write such an irresponsible headline is just beyond for me. Um, and um, you know, pretty unsurprising you know from the wall street journal i suppose but um you know it's it's just dumb mm -hmm. just dumb and it's frustrating because everyone is working so hard to make the best of it and this is basically saying teachers you you tried and you failed i know i hate and I hate it's that like kind of stuff ugh. you know uh right you tried and failed to write a good headline yeah no exactly that's all it was about is the clickbait title and then, boom, let's uh, let's put that out there so we can make sure we get the clicks and sell the product. You know, it's like, ah, so frustrating. So frustrating. Um, there's one last thing uh, here in the outline that, that is, is funny because it just kind of came up the other day. Um, in between, actually, I think when we were set to record and now is when this actually kind of mm -hmm. um, made, made its kind of mark. And that's uh, Twitch's... Uh, Twitch, which is the streaming service, streaming platform that a lot of 
um, almost everyone who uses, um, you know, is is being hammered with DMCA claims. Um, DMCA is the the, the digital media um, copyrights. So you know, if you had uh, this is uh, Digital Millennium Copyright Act is the mm-hmm. actual uh, term for DMCA. Sorry, um, if you were playing, for example, Spotify on your stream I in the know. background which tons of people do yes um you probably just had to do a whole bunch of work on your stream to clean it up and get rid of a whole bunch of either files uh videos um or well, clips a lot of mm-hmm. uh, a lot of uh there's a streamer that I watch all the time and and he was talking about it um the other night I, I watch him almost every night because I, I I like watching the games he plays. Um, and, uh, and he was saying that, you know, he used to use Spotify and, you know, he had to basically spent the better part of four hours combing through all of his clips Yes, for, for places where the audio was being, uh, flagged, uh, and, and uh, it, it took him hours, hours and hours and hours. And, um, you know, our friend Christina Ishmael would probably remind us that, you know, they should have saw this coming, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, and expected it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it you know, it, it came to my mind because um, I think that it's another great lesson in that copyright piece that a lot of teachers don't even really think about. Yes. Uh, and, and the complexities of copyright. Uh, and, you know, just because you're a teacher, friends, doesn't mean you have carte blanche um access to resources just because it's hashtag for the kids yeah uh does not does not give you the freedom to use whatever the heck you want and this was in the background too so if everybody's thinking about like what are you talking about well just imagine we're watching uh twitch and a lot of people playing video games on twitch and in the background for themselves and for their audience they have some music playing you know it's in the background Mm-hmm. Um, and they're playing their game and whatever might be. And that's what's being flagged. And almost everyone, like you just said, the, the person that you were just talking about, and almost yeah. everyone that I watch was in pure panic mode because it's like been, it's like a big part of them playing, right? And big part of even, you know, um, and I'm, I'm sure maybe our audience members don't know this, but on Twitch, there's a way to basically create a reward system for your uh, viewers and they can accumulate points basically you know kind of a gamified way of doing stuff and you can purchase things so one of the things that you can purchase on many of these channels is a song request <laughs> so you could put in right. like hey i want to listen to that song and they would put it on and you'd use your points to be able to do that and so that's gone now <laughs> yeah a lot of a lot of people had to turn off song requests <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's um, the crazy. streamer that I'm talking about did that as well. Yes, so yes. it's interesting. Um, digital citizenship, yeah. Digital citizenship, <laughs> friends. Uh, it, 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 even even when we talk a hardcore gaming intro, we still end up back at digital citizenship and education. So, I've wanted our next guest on the podcast for quite a while, and uh, tried to connect a couple times, um, and uh, hadn't been able to to make it happen until now. Um, and so when we come back, uh, Dr. Now, Dr. Adam File will be with us. So stay tuned. 
GoGuardian helps thousands of K-12 school districts maximize the learning potential of over 8 million students. GoGuardian's products enable productive and safe digital learning by helping educators identify learning patterns, protect students from harmful and distracting content, and support mental health. To support schools during their distance learning transition, GoGuardian is offering free access to their entire product suite until the end of the school year. To learn more about GoGuardian and download their free resources about distance learning, visit their Distance Learning Resource Center at GoGuardian.com slash distance learning. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest this week is the Director of Technology and Media Studies for the Newton County School System in Georgia. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Adam File. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It is a pleasure and an honor to be a guest on your podcast. Awesome. Congrats on your uh, getting your doctorate, man. That's a hell of an accomplishment. And, uh, you know, you have kids and a very busy, demanding job. Um, tell us a little bit about the experience and, you know, uh, how does it feel being Dr. Adam File? Tell you, the journey uh, was a journey. <laughs> yeah. uh, I started the process when I was in Kansas City, Missouri. Now I'm in Georgia, so I've done it across uh, country. I started the process. Um, I now have three kids. Uh, when I started the process, I had one. Uh, so I started with a pregnant wife uh, and finished uh, <laughs> with three kids. So it definitely was uh, something that was a labor of love. Uh, definitely couldn't have completed it without the support of my wife and kids uh, because it was many nights, many days where uh, daddy was uh, isolated by himself in his room uh, doing a lot of reading and a lot of writing. But it, uh -huh. it really uh, it was one of those things that now it's it's finally kind of setting in that it's doctor. Uh, when people mm. introduce me, like I still I'm still kind of odd. Like when you introduce me, it's like, oh, yeah, I am doctor. Uh, I love doing know. that, too. I love seeing the smile on people's faces, especially when it's just like when it's fairly new. Yeah. And then you you refer to, you know, there's a I feel like there must be in a sense of accomplishment when you get introduced like that. That's uh, that's like, pretty surreal even. Right. Yeah. It makes me straighten up my posture a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 that's awesome well uh listen it's it's an amazing accomplishment uh and and it, it was super excited for you um we appreciate you coming on during you know what's obviously uh an incredibly tough time so tell us a little bit about how you are how's your family um and 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 all of that well right now it's one of those things where uh having kids my kids are nine five and three so it's mm -hmm. a very unique age in trying to explain to them what's going on in the mm -hmm. world and mm -hmm. still trying to shelter them because you still want them to have their innocence you know uh you know kids are still believing in santa claus the tooth fairy and all that fun stuff uh because they are real uh but also not wanting to have a situation where now they're in fear of everything that's going on they're scared to go outside um, you know, we, whether you're talking about uh, the COVID or the social change mm -hmm. and unrest that's going on, there's just so many things happening right now. So it's yeah. it's making them aware, but then it's not trying to scare them of all the uh, issues that we're facing today. Yeah. And what's work like looked like for you? What's uh, what's your what's your day looked like? How has this affected your job? Well, the the, the crazy thing about it is. Uh, 
my wife also works in the school system that I work in as well. Uh, mm. She is a science uh, elementary coordinator. So it's it's one of the things where we've been able to kind of, uh, I'd go in one day, she would work from home. So we've been able to kind of, even during the shelter in place, uh, having to do the whether it's WebEx or Zoom or Google Meet, having to tag team and try to stagger our meetings so we're not meeting at the same time, uh, keeping the kids busy. Because, of course, uh, as everyone else is dealing with their kids hopping in meetings and uh, mm-hmm. daddy, I need another juice. Uh, <laughs> you know, they won't let me watch anything on TV. My, my iPad needs to charge. So dealing with all those things. So it was definitely trying to get the kids situated and do our thing and trying to limit the amount of interruptions we had. Uh, but it's one of those things. And I, I told a few people when in another uh, meeting that I was in. I, I, not to brag or boast, but between my wife and I, we have about five or six degrees. We're well educated. Mm-hmm. We have a gig of internet access, and we were still struggling wow. to make ends meet day to day and figure things out. So I can only imagine what it was like for some of our parents and our community members that weren't afforded the resources that I, that we had at our disposal uh, and trying to make it work. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of course, on top of that, still trying to be teachers for our own kids as well in the household. So it, if we kind of quote unquote, have our things together, I can only imagine what it's like for everyone else. So it was definitely a struggle. Um, but I, you know, don't cry for me, but there's definitely, I have to think about our community because mm-hmm. in my district we have, a high poverty rate of our families. We were like at 70% uh, free reduced lunch families in our district. So I can only imagine some of the struggle that some of those parents were dealing with during this time period as well. So in your position, Adam, next fall, we're already thinking about it, uh, I'm sure. (laughs) And it's filled with uncertainty. Is there any advice you have for educators as far as PD or training or things that they should be doing this summer in preparation for the many possibilities next fall. I know departments of education throughout the country have already started putting out statements. In our state, we had three different scenarios that are possibly going to happen. I'm not sure what's what the uh, Department of Education in Georgia has has put out, but are you guys as a district already thinking about these things? And is there any advice you have for that you've given to your teachers or even teachers in general? The first piece of advice that I've kind of been really pushing um, throughout this this period, it's not even a, a anything related to professional learning or technical. I'm just telling everybody, stay centered. Uh, remember why you got in this business. Remember mm-hmm. why you're doing what you're doing, because you're going to get inundated. You're going to get pulled in many directions. So you have to stay centered and you have to stay focused. That's first and foremost. I tell my team that every day because it's the the whole mental health aspect of of being a, a a person in charge, a person that people look to, we have to take care of ourselves because if we're no good, we can't help other people. So first and mm-hmm. foremost, that's the number one thing I've tell, told my team and I've been telling teachers. But one thing also we've really been focusing in on is that on-time learning. Uh, we've been preaching that for years, but I think now it's really hitting home with people that you have to have uh, training modules. You have to have the resources where if a teacher is trying to do something in the learning management platform, it's just a click away to find out how to do those things. Mm. Uh, because our state's kind of giving the guidance to be able, all districts should have 
some system in place for virtual learning. Okay. You're going to have some, some students that will be physically in the building, but you're still going to have to provide learning opportunities for parents and students who don't want to come into the space. And we're going to also have some kids who are still going to be on, on our books, if you will, but they won't probably physically set it to a foot in our buildings the whole school year. So what does that look like as well? Yes. So doing a full online learning platform for those students without inundating the teachers to totally change how they've uh, how they know how to teach. Awesome. So in addition to, you know, dealing with a global health pandemic, um, the United States of America specifically ha has been grappling with a social um, justice pandemic at the same time that has, uh, I, I used the word reckoning today. Yes. Um, and, and I think that that's an appropriate word to use as well. Um, we're experiencing, uh, in particular in the United States, a reckoning uh, related to race and racial justice. Um, and we had an amazing conversation last week with Michael Bonner um, about um, his thoughts and... Um, I wanted to ask you, because I've been thinking about this week, and we kind of talked a little bit about this on our live show on on Friday on the stream, and um, and it's come up a couple times now in other scenarios. I'm curious what sort of communications, uh, I've been thinking about communications that have been going out uh, to teachers in regards to Black Lives Matter and the murder of George Floyd. And um, whether uh, I'm curious about your school district specifically, but just in general, um, thoughts on the idea of uh, districts passing on guidance uh, related to how to talk to their students about our students aren't dumb. You know, they can watch TV, too. Right. They know what's going on. Um, and especially if your your parents are kind of socially like my son, you know, here's my wife and I talking about this stuff all the time. Uh, and I mean, he can you know, he has ears. He can hear the conversations going on. And because he's not you know, he's not little. He's 12. Uh, the older one's 12 years old. He can kind of even put it together a little bit. Right. Um so we've got to grapple with how we talk to our students about this stuff. How do, um, you know, and I, and, and I don't think that it's the district's place to put words in people's mouths. Uh, but certainly, you know, I would, uh, I would, if I was a teacher, appreciate having some guidance from the district on what their thoughts are on what I, you know, where, where we take this. I'm curious if your district did anything like that. And if you have thoughts on that kind of in general. Yeah, we've kind of, uh, interesting last year in my district, we've started, uh, the conversation around, uh, implicit bias. That was kind of our focus, uh, starting it in, in small pockets last year and, and, and moving in that direction. Uh, just let me, let me pause for a second to kind of back up the, the set the stage, for for everyone, you know, this is I'm in I'm in Georgia. Um, you know, this is uh, the Deep South. This is uh, Dixie country. This is Confederate flag. This is uh, uh, Klan country, if you will. So all those roots are still here uh, in our district. Um, you know, I would be uh, I'd be foolish to sit here and say that uh, we don't have any parents or. Uh, I, I, hate, I hate to say it, but even some teachers who still um, feel 
that all this is overblown uh, and, and mm-hmm. that's happening right now. So we've actually looked at first having the conversations with our staff and our administrators because you can, we feel as though you cannot have that conversation with your students if you're not in a good place. So really understanding that this uh, time in our country is a pivotal time. This is one of those times where we're going to look back and see what side of history were you on. Um, something I never thought I'd see in my life, uh, NASCAR has decided to get rid of the Confederate flag and ban it from all mm-hmm. uh, racetracks and, and everywhere. I never thought I would see that. Uh, but even with that being said, you still have a race car driver saying that this isn't the NASCAR I grew up with and I'm leaving after this mm-hmm. season. So you still have people who will draw their line in the sand on these issues. Uh, we've had the conversation in this country of even saying Black Lives Matter was being a controversial statement. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I, I saw this comedian talking about it, and it wasn't even the fact that we're saying black lives are better. Just matter. Just just mm-hmm. agree with me that they matter. If you can't agree that they matter, that's a problem. But yes. I think now with all the things going, people realize, oh, yeah, actually, they do matter. And we need to have those conversations. So uh, we have to figure that out. And I think right now, just talking with my superintendent, we've kind of had some sidebar conversations about it. We're still trying to figure out what's the best way to have that conversation with adults, because this isn't something as simple as saying uh, we need to do something about poverty because that's an easy topic because, yeah, everybody's poor. You know, let's help the poor kids. Yay. You can get behind that, that you Mm -hmm. don't have to change the core of your of your belief system to do that. When you start talking about uh, equity, Black Lives Matter, implicit bias, All those components, you're having to change who you are as a person and at your core because you Mm -hmm. have to look internally and see, do I have some biases that come out in my lessons, that come out in my classroom, that I may not call this one parent or this one child because of my own racial beliefs about this person. I may think, oh, well, they just don't care about education, so why should I even bother versus this other uh, family that because I know them, we go to the same church or we grew yeah. up together. So those are all those things that make people look internally that are those uh, uncomfortable conversations that we have to have. And we're trying, we're grappling um, to figure out what's going to be the best way to have that conversation because it is going to be uncomfortable. And I, I promise, uh, I promise you this, there's going to be a lot of people also in education that leave the field because they feel that this is not something that they should discuss. I hope that's not the case, but actually I do hope it is the case because we don't need those people working with kids. Absolutely. So Adam, we actually have met at a educational conference. So that's where I want to talk about right now is educational conferences, both nationally and locally. And we've had other guests and we've spoke about this topic even previous to what's happened in the last few weeks, um, that there's a definitive issue with keynote speakers, presenters, and even the attendees just being white uh, at at these national conferences. Are conferences like ISTE or FETC doing enough to include our educators and leaders of color to both present? But then I was also thinking about just attending these uh, these conferences too, and are is there what other types of things can we be doing 
and by we, I mean mm-hmm. these conferences, to include our educators and leaders of color. And, and there's so many. There's so many ways we can go with that one. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I, I kind of want to touch on. Um, unfortunately, you often get a lot of of teachers of color that are working in low income districts. Yes. Um, you know, you can talk to, mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of my peers that are out there and more affluent districts and they're like, Oh, we're struggling to get black teachers here or so on and so forth. So going with that current norm. So if you have a lot of uh, teachers of color that are in low income districts, they can't afford to go to these conferences. No. So something like an FETC, SD, TCA, all these large conferences, the registration, the plane, the hotel, they yes. can't even afford to go. So it's, you know it's, that's it's it's like four grand to yeah. go to to go to a, to go to mm-hmm. ISD. It's it's almost four thousand dollars. I yeah. mean, it's insane. So let's just you know, so let's just you know, call that what that is. So there has to be some kind of way, whether you're talking about some kind of scholarships or partners with vendors to do some of those things to get those uh, educators in those districts there. Because here's also one of those things to think about. A lot of those low income uh, districts are probably buying a lot of products that are going to be at these various uh, uh, trade shows. And so those districts, should work with, uh, and, I, and once again, it's that you know, you start getting into legality and, and money and all that stuff, but there has to be some kind of way to have scholarships, sponsorships to get uh, teachers at these national conferences. Mm-hmm. And then also, we have to look at who's making the selection uh, for these featured speakers and keynote speakers. Is there diversity in the room to know mm-hmm. who are those voices that are out there? Uh, because we are creatures of habit. I know the people that I know, and those are yeah. the people that I'm going to give opportunities to. And the more opportunities those people have, the bigger their names become, the more of a, a, a phenom, the more of a person that people go to and click on and see what they're doing. And so all of a sudden that new that person now becomes the hot feature or hot keynote speaker. But if you, if those, uh, awesome educators that are educators of color don't get that opportunity to get outside of their 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 circle or their community then yeah. they don't get the national stage then mm-hmm. they're forced to we're forced to have side conferences whether it's an educational uh, educators of color conference or a PLC conference those are those side conferences that are now starting to happen because the educators of color the minorities they're not getting the big stage or the big opportunities to grow their following and to tell their story it it really is just too expensive though too like i mean isti is like Eight hundred dollars or yeah. something like that to register, to to go just to go just yeah. to be able to walk in the damn building. You're <laughs> you're spending eight hundred dollars, and that just doesn't seem equitable um, in the current environment in so in so many ways. Um, you know, and the idea that, that there are there are tons of districts, and we know this. We totally. No, it's true that there are districts that just have nothing that that barely have buildings that mm-hmm. are that are functional, let alone be able to afford for to to subsidize their educators to go to a to go you know and and you'll have the superintendents that say I'm, I'm not going to pay for you to go to San Diego for a four day vacation uh you know it's <laughs> you know or Miami to yeah. FETC I mean. Part of the reason FETC's attendance was cited as being low last year uh, was, or this this just passed, mm-hmm. was it was in Miami. I mean, right. and you had supers that said, 
I'm not sending. Are you crazy? I'm not letting you go to Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, so it's it's just. Uh, I mean, and I and I know like um, some of the things that I've been able to do, some of the uh, conferences that I've been able to attend. It was I had to come out of my own pocket um, to do those things. So if yeah. I, I, luckily I've been in a situation where I've had the the financial resources to kind of offset some of those uh, costs of going to a conference where yeah. it may be like I'm talking to a district, my district and my previous district where it's like, okay, if you pay my registration, I'll take care of my hotel and my uh, per diem. You don't have to worry about that. So. You know, you have this. You have teachers who are making those kind of deals with their district to figure out how they can go and doing uh, GoFundMe's and donors' shoes to go to a conference, and and that's not right. I mean, yeah, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, and you know, it's cyclical because you talked about how um, you know educators of color are having to do these side conferences because they're not getting kind of that national kind of attention, but that's actually what gets you. For example, relationships with vendors and 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 businesses like to do presentations like for Microsoft. So Microsoft says, "Hey, I'll let you. Uh, we'll cover your entrance fee and and your hotel if you do a couple sessions for us or something right. like that." That I mean, that happens um, all the time. Every conference, the a lot of the folks that are doing sessions for these companies or whatever are are getting uh, most of their fees covered. But you know, if it's not educators of color that are getting the attention, they're not getting the notoriety they deserve, mm-hmm. um, then they're not getting these opportunities from these big companies. It's it's cyclical and it's feeding on itself. Um and and I think it's a it's a really big problem and, and I and I am not afraid to put the onus on these conferences to start yeah. reducing their their entrance fees because I think that that's one of the places where it starts. You know, how can a a an educator of color even acquire kind of any sort of attention or national stage if they're not even able to like you you get accepted to present at ISTE, but you can't even come yes. because it's so expensive <laughs> right like yeah. that's that's the problem they face like and i've actually had that problem ISTE, what is it san antonio whatever year mm-hmm. that was 16 yep. uh, i was accepted and i couldn't afford to come uh, so I could present, but I couldn't get there. So because it was so expensive, they're like, "Hey, you get to present, but you know, you got to pay seven hundred dollars to show up." Um, I mean, you and, know. and how crazy is that when you think about it in a big perspective? It's if, if I was an entertainer, I was like, "Hey, you get to perform at our concert, sweet." Okay, you have to pay to get here. You're gonna have to pay everything. All your expenses paid uh, are coming out of your pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, people are so people are coming to see you. But, you know, you don't get anything out of it except the fact that you get to put your name and put on your resume that you presented at this conference. And at some point that that can't be enough. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, presenting at our conference, uh, you can you can put this on your resume. Yeah, that's nice. But still, it would be nice if I could get uh, something to go there, whether it's uh, uh, my entry, my registration covered. Some of those things have to. We have to figure out a way to work that into the system. And then, like I said, you know, it, it, you definitely have to have we have to have our, our white males, white females that are the headliners, if you will, yeah. put pressure on these conferences as well. Whether it's asking to see who else is going to be a paid speaker 
at this conference, asking them to see that list. Um, so when you see that list and you don't recognize any of those names or none of those names are people of color, putting the pressure back on that conference and saying, yes, I'm a big name. You want me here. You need to diversify your roster because mm-hmm. this is not acceptable. And it's, that's ultimately where that change is going to start happening. A hundred percent. It's a way it's a way for those folks in particular to really show their allyship. And, you know, instead of, um, you know, just tweeting a tweet or putting a nice little post on their on their Facebook page, um, you know, put your money where you're yeah. literally put your money where your mouth is and and show that you're an ally by demanding equitable representation at large conferences. I yeah, it's really great think... to put a like I said, it's really great for a hashtag, but after after the after the dust settles on the hashtag, what are you doing? You know, yeah. what what are your actions? Yeah, 100%. Um and and speaking of um putting people's money where their mouth is and 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 actions and and stuff like that. I'm I'm actually also curious both both yourself and Glenn, in fact, um, are either directly or indirectly involved in making decisions about what technology to use mm. in your districts, in your schools, and in your classrooms. Um, and, you know, for myself, I'm directly involved in at Participate, who we decide to partner with, who we, who we decide to work with, especially if we're working with them, you know, in some sort of reduced financial capacity, which we're actively doing right now with a lot of folks. And um, also for the podcast, who we decide to bring on as a sponsor uh, for the podcast. Uh, It's become an important conversation to consider um, if you, and I'm curious if you've had any conversations or put any thought into your support for companies or products based on how engaged you perceive them to be in um in this moment you know um i i had a conversation with a company who wanted to sponsor the podcast just like literally two or three days ago and the first question i asked them was show me show me what you've said about what's going on in in your country right now it was the first question i asked them um and i think it's important and i'm curious if you've put any thought into into that sort of uh that sort of uh is it going to be in part of your equation? I know it will be in 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 my uh, the way I look at working with vendors. It's our uh, what we say in our district is educational excellence for all. And so, if we're talking about all of our students, we want to make sure that the companies that we're partnering with have that same idea where it's it's all of their students and not to all lives matter this but to make sure that they are seeing the moment that we're in right now and mm-hmm. that they have taken a stand on this is unacceptable and we need to do things to move it forward and not just lip service and you know even looking at who's on their uh, board of directors, who are the curriculum writers, who are the people who are creating the content that we are delivering to our students. Uh, because my district, we were about 54% African-American. Uh, I want to say it's somewhere about uh, 30% uh, white in our, in our population. So I, we need to make sure that the curriculum content, the resources is written and developed by a diverse group of people to meet the needs of our of our students. And if they can't show that to us, then I don't necessarily want to spend our dollars there, uh, because if we do that, I'm just as bad as 
everybody that I said needs to enact change because I'm feeding the beast. I'm I'm continually to to donate my dollars to a company yes. that's not doing the things that I'm talking about when I'm not on the company dime. So I have to make sure that I am uh, doing what I'd say other people should do as well. So where can people um, connect with you? Where can they learn more about you? How can they connect with you on social media? Oh, like um, I'm pretty active on uh, Twitter. Uh, Ask Adam three. Uh, it was when I got on Twitter, coming up with my Twitter name. It just it just kind of fit because going back to when I was a teacher in the classroom, uh, anytime someone had a technical problem, it was like, oh, I don't know. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. And <laughs> when it was time for me to look for it, unfortunately, somebody already had Adam. Ask Adam. Uh, but I am the third. Uh so it just kind of worked out at Ask Adam Three on Twitter is is what I have, and um, you can find me online at uh, askadam3.com. Um, in, in addition to doing my day job as a director, of course, uh, um, featured speaker, keynote, and I do staff development training and consultation for uh, districts across the country as well. Adam File, Doctor Adam File, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me again, guys. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter. And I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our podcast rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks, as always, for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.